The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Beatty Chevrolet saves you money. 2.9% APR or $5,000 total value on new Silverado 1500s. New Equinox with 1.9% APR plus no payments for 90 days or 2500 total cash allowance at Beatty Chevrolet. Deep down the middle's got his man and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give it to his house and a red flag. Swainevent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top one barbecue restaurant in America. It is best day of the week. It's Tuesday, February the 13th. Free Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day Eve. Hey, Ben, man, love you, man. Love you, Ben McKee. What's up, brother? I love you too, boo. <laughs> oh, hold on now. Um... How was your trip to, to Texas, man? Everything was good? Forgive me for adding uh, boo. I'm, I'm getting in the mood for uh, Tennessee, Arkansas on Wednesday night. Uh, but my, my trip to College Station w- was great. I had some delicious barbecue in Houston. Nobody cares about that. Uh, you, you cared when I sent you that photo. You were very angry when, when I sent you that photo. Sent you into a rage. It seemed like I wasn't. I wasn't and, angry. I was good. I was good. Uh, how many middle finger emojis did you send? Uh, yeah, let's count. I, I've I've got your text messages pulled up. You, you gave me a WTF for a tweet that I shared with you late Saturday night. Let's see. Let's let's count the middle finger emojis after the barbecue that I sent. That was uh, three meats and two sides, um, pulled pork, brisket, and ribs with baked beans. Mac and cheese and banana pudding. You sent one, two, three, four. Surprised you didn't send more. Anybody would so do that. That that part was good. The basketball game, different story. Uh, shout shout out to Texas A&M though. It, it was College Station. That's my first time going. Bigger town, city than than I realized. I, I thought it was going to be some small town out in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and and it was very very nice. Uh, you could quickly see that they had the oil money, and it was a, a nice campus, nice town. And uh, I, I was not expecting a great college basketball environment, and it was a great college basketball environment. Uh, they love them some Buzz Williams and, and that basketball program right now. Uh, the Aggies are getting healthy, and I, I think the team or the fans are, are realizing that and, and getting behind this team as they make a second half push. And uh, the student section 
was there early, packed early, and the arena filled in as well. And it, it created a, a really cool college basketball environment. Uh, so the game obviously did not go Tennessee's way. But uh, I, again, I was surprised by how cool of a college basketball experience and environment it was. Yeah, a couple of things surprised me, Ben, um, how Tennessee allowed A&M to kind of control the boards, um, giving up that many offensive rebounds. I understand that A&M is number one in the country on the boards offensively, but I, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect Wade Taylor, the fourth, come out and start off like Steph Curry. Uh, I didn't expect that at all, but you know, L-shaped ambush. I think it's easy for people to say, well, this this team didn't play hard or this team wasn't ready to play. They just didn't handle adversity well early, and um, it's just also hard to win on the road. Hard to win on the road, and the team that cuts down the net, they won't win that game on someone else's floor. It's going to be a neutral side game. So, it's a learning lesson. There's some there's some unfortunate trends developing with this basketball team. Uh, I, I think the the first two are are obvious. First being free throw shooting. It, it's been an issue for several games now. That's for mental. pretty much the entirety of SEC play, and that's mental. Uh, man. I'll t- what's that? So that's mental, especially when you hitting the front of the rim uh, continuously. E- yes, yes. Uh, and it's multiple guys too. I mean, Dalton has seems like he's gotten the worst of it of late, but it, it it's a team issue for sure. Um, and I, I'll tell you right now, you're not going to go far in March if you don't make your free throws. Correct. You're not. You, you won't make it out of the first weekend if you don't make your free throws because you you are going to be in close games. You are going to get opportunities at the free throw line uh, to to either come back and potentially win if you're trailing or to put the game away. And if you're not making your free throws, then you're not going to win. So that, that needs to be corrected ASAP. Uh, I mean, that, that to me is the biggest concern with this basketball team at the moment. Uh, I, I think the front court is becoming an issue. I, I do think Jonas Adu is in a slump right now. I, I don't think he's going to play like this for the rest of the season. At least I would be surprised if he did. Uh, Rod Clark told John Wilkerson and Vince Farrar on Sports Talk yesterday morning, He Rod joins them weekly, Tennessee assistant coach, and uh, he said that jo- Jonas is going to be okay in the long run, uh, and, and they just got to get him out of, out of this slump that he's in, and uh, they need him believing that he is the SEC's best post player. And, and he needs to start walking around with that swagger, with that confidence that he is arguably the best post player in the SEC and one of the best post players uh, in the country. So they, they need him to get going because outside of Jonas, they have zero post players. Toby Awaka, I like what he can give you here and there, but it, it's not consistent whatsoever. You thought he turned the page against Kentucky? Hasn't really given you anything since uh, against LSU or against Texas A&M. Uh, so that, that is a, a big concern for me going into March if Tennessee gets matched up with a team that, A, has a Tolu Smith or some big physical post players down, down low and a team that likes to slow it down and play low possession games 
We've seen it the last two times Tennessee's played somebody like that, South Carolina and Texas A&M. Tennessee has looked all out of sorts. So uh, at the end of the day, that one particular loss on the road is not the end of the world. There's a lot of teams losing across the country on the road. It's a it's a hard thing to do, especially in conference play. Uh, but th- there are some trends I think that are developing with this basketball team that 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 certainly make you you raise your eyebrows and and get a little nervous as March creeps close. I agree with everything you just said. I'll write this down, and th- this is a moment in history. Write this down. Eight oh nine a.m. Tuesday, February thirteenth. Quote Jason Swain. I agree with everything you, you being Ben McKee, said. Th- this is a moment in history. Write it down. Well, being honestly, it's 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 things that I've said before about the post play, and you go look at the losses early in the season when Tennessee lost three in a row early, and then Tennessee lost to Mississippi State. It was that they had really good physical postmen, post players, and hey man, I like me some Jonas. They do uh, the times I've talked with him, interviewed him. I really enjoyed it, but he hasn't been physical enough in the losses. Um, he has really good hands around the rim. Um, he would be a great receiver. I mean, he doesn't he does drop anything. But some of the misses around the rim, man, they, I'm not calling him soft, but the play is soft. And they don't really have a physical post player outside of a, a walker that can play without getting fouls. And, and, and that was my concern coming into the season. Man, that was that was my concern weeks before the season, months before the season, when we looked at the construction of the roster and we saw who all Tennessee brought in, address some shooting needs, you address some ball handling needs, no doubt about it. Didn't know when Zakazigla would be back to him, his normal self. So you needed ball handling, you need a second option at point guard. But I felt like the thing that was missing was that post player. And it's it's rearing its ugly head right now. Um, Josiah Jordan James was on the locker room Sunday and fully accountable for what he did not bring to the table. The Texas A and M. I was laughing with him. I was like, "Man, you was I, I saw several times where you blocked that dude out. And he still got the rebound. Like that." That's the closest thing I've seen to Dennis Robin at the collegiate level in a long time, man. That dude's relentless. Anderson Garcia. He is relentless. Yeah, seventeen rebounds. That that is that that's that's pretty crazy. And and some of the rebounding issues in that particular game, some of it was just simply A and M is that great of a rebounding team. Yeah, but th- there were also moments. And and Dalton got benched for this in the first half, and he wasn't the only one. But uh, just to point out some of the rebounding struggles, where he he just simply did not box anybody out. He was ball watching. Yep. And and he got pulled for that, and he should get pulled for that. That should never happen on a basketball court, especially as as a fifth year player, somebody who's played college basketball for that long, should never get caught ball watching. And and several players got caught ball watching, and A uh, and M. They had springs, and and I know exactly what you're talking about. There are multiple instances where Josiah 
was boxing his guy out and the guy just jumped over him. And and it was that guy just had springs that Josiah doesn't, quite frankly. Correct. And and some of that is a credit to just how elite of a rebounding team AM is. But the issues are the ones where you're ball watching, you you're not putting a body on a body and, and trying to track the basketball. You you you're not you're not getting down to the fundamentals of rebounding, which are are really simple, quite frankly. When when did, when did we start allowing guys to play one on one ball and drive us to the basket, and pick up multiple man? That that's another when, thing that when we started I doing that, probably should have mentioned earlier. That's a yeah. that that's a nervous trend that is going in the wrong direction. There, there's been a couple of games recently where Tennessee has not been able to guard the ball one on one, and uh, that that is unlike. Tennessee's defense that we've seen in the last couple of years and that is something that's going to have to change quick fast and in a hurry I mean it it needs to be changed it it should have already been corrected um, because it's not an inability to do so it's not that the guys don't have the ability to do so Rick Barnes talked on vol calls last night of it was guys simply not following the scouting report not getting on a guy's hip like the scouting report indicated, not not getting on their left hip, not getting on their right hip, giving them too much space to create room to get them get their momentum going downhill. It, it's it's truly the little details that you thought, which is another concerning aspect. You thought Tennessee had turned a corner with that Kentucky win yep. because it, it felt like they were in cruise control and, and not necessarily taking care of the the little details against the. The, the smaller brands, lower brands, however you want to word it, those programs in the SEC, they, they they weren't locked into the details against South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State like they were for Alabama or Kentucky or some of those other games. And you thought Tennessee had turned a corner by that leadership aspect we spent a lot of time talking about last Tuesday. And then the second half of LSU happens. And then the Texas A&M game happens. It's not that Tennessee doesn't have the ability to guard the basketball. They've done it for years now with mostly the same guys. It's just they were not locked into the small details that it takes to guard the ball and prevent Wade Taylor and uh, Tyrese Boots, which is an awesome nickname, Radford, from from getting downhill. And look, those guys are tremendous at at driving the basketball. They they are. They, They really are. And it's a difficult task. But... You, you can't talk about how many elite defenders you have and then show up in the manner that you did in that game. It was an issue against South Carolina. And now all of a sudden your wings who are on their three-point shooters in the corner because the point of attack is getting blown off the ball. Now they have to collapse and you've got three or four, sometimes five guys in the paint trying to stop the ball. And now you have multiple players on the perimeter wide open for three and yeah AM's not a, a good shooting team statistically but they're college basketball players in the sec and if they're left open more often than not they're going to make them whether they're shooting 28 percent or 35 percent the college basketball players at the end of the day and if they're on the perimeter they're probably capable of knocking down that shot if they're left wide open if you can't stop straight line drives you're, you're not going to win games period i mean that's that's defense one-on-one uh, you got to st- stop straight line drive. 865-255-03. The Beatty Chevrolet text box. What is the text box? How do you use that thing? Well, it's simple. It's on your Swainy app. Just click message the host, ask the host, and send in a question, comment. We'll get it. We'll read off the good stuff here on the program. Text box is brought to you by Betty Chevrolet. 
looking for a Chevy Tahoe or Suburban, go to the website, betterchevrolet.com, 1.9 APR on new Equinoxes, Blazers, Silverados. Buy with confidence with the Baby Chevrolet Warranty for Life. Parkside Drive, again, online at BettyChevrolet.com. Locally owned and operated for over 90 years. We'll quick take a quick timeout. Ben McKee, Glove All 247. I am Jason Swain. Stay with us. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like this show on Facebook. Swimmin.com, fuel by Dead Barbecue. Ben McKee, Go Falls 247. Hope y'all learned a lot from the first thing. Ben McKee is an instigator. He likes to start stuff, pretend like he's innocent and didn't do anything. He would be. I won't say Draymond Greenish on a basketball court if you play the NBA. But he would be that guy that would I will fight you. Do something first. The opponent will retaliate and he would pretend like he was innocent. 
Yeah, Tennessee is playing Arkansas all Valentine's Day, Ben. What a we coincidence this year. Huh? What a coincidence this year. Very much so. Very much so. I wonder if Tennessee's going to play a lot of zone so I don't have to play man-to-man. Man, they're they going to play man-to-man. <laughs> they may not want to play man-to-man. What's crazy is uh, Devo Davis, who left the team in his back, still leads the team in assists per game. Oh, never that, mind. That's, that's, that's weird, but uh, we won't go into details. I don't know what you're talking about. He's the best assist man on the team. 865 255 03. Oh, boy, you ain't got no sense, Ben. You ain't got no sense. A big day for Tennessee. Is anything going on around around Tennessee? I, I, anything happening? Is uh, Tennessee Today's looking the day, for right? I mean, there's so much going on this week between the NCAA, Jerry Mack has left, uh, another coach flirting with Michigan, Tennessee baseball starts on Friday, Tennessee basketball has two games this week that they should win. Lady Vols, speaking of Arkansas, Lady Vols destroyed Arkansas last night. They did. Uh, Tennessee softball already rocking and rolling. Uh, we know the main headlines, but there sure is a lot going on this time of year. Well, there's really nothing to really get into with the court case that's going on. To we going on this uh, this morning today, and I mean everything is is kind of been said about how we got here, and there's an expectation for for Tennessee to to win. Uh, this was said by the judge that declined the. Um, temporary restraining order last week, but said more than likely that Tennessee's going to win. And so like we're just kind of waiting waiting on um, the results of the court case. Well, I think wins the it, it's a matter of when Tennessee wins. Is, is that today? Because many people have said that today is kind of 50-50 yeah. on whether or not the judge rules in in favor of of Tennessee or not. But even if Tennessee were to not get the result that it was looking for down the road, it'll be interesting to see if if it rules in the NCAA's favor what the NCAA tries to do. Do they continue to pursue this matter, knowing that the state of Tennessee could sue them? and that the University of Tennessee could sue them. And obviously the judge has already stated, the same judge that is ruling today has already stated that, like you said, Swain, that it's paraphrasing, but it's likely that Tennessee ends up winning. But is that today or is that down the road in a lawsuit with the state of Tennessee or a lawsuit with the University of of, of Tennessee. So if, if the NCAA does win today, do they take their chances and, and still try to fight this? Or do they say, we're good. Let, let, let me back off and, and try to save some face while I can. I, I think that will be fascinating to, to see if the NCAA were to win, which again, several people who know the situation much better than, than I have stated publicly that that is a 50, 50 situation. And um, on the flip side, if if Tennessee were to win today, I mean that that is 
massive, massive news, not not just for Tennessee, but college athletics as a whole in, in the NCAA. I mean, it, it would truly be uh, a, a groundbreaking and momentum-shifting event in the course of NCAA history. Yeah, so we'll see what happens uh, this morning. In Greenville. 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 We'll see what goes on. Uh, but the biggest news is Tennessee football staff and uh, Jerry Mack believing to go to the NFL, which 1,000% we all would do. <laughs> like, it, right now, it's the best move. Uh, now, there may be some people out there to say, no, I would have stayed, so I won't say 1,000%. I'll take that back. But if I'm Jerry Mack, that's the right move. You have two backs that are going pro. You have one back that's going to be uh, a top three-round pick in Jalen Wright. You're going to have a group next year that is one injury away with Dylan Sampson from having the most inexperienced group in the SEC, quite frankly. Talented? Yeah, cool. Everybody's talented. Um, but, like, no experience at running back if Dylan Sampson were to get hurt, knock on wood. You have the things that are changing in college football. You are one of 32 running back coaches in the world who have opportunity to coach at the NFL level. And you were like handpicked from a offense that gets criticized from the football people about being real football or not, or the, uh, this offense is, is it sustainable in the NFL. Jerry Mack was recruited from the University of Tennessee, where this offense, when Hendon Hooker came out and Jalen Hyatt came out, was dinged. Oh, man, it's elementary offense. This doesn't translate. This is great for Josh Heupel, his offense, that the NFL wanted Jerry Matt because of how he developed and coached and mentored the running backs. But it was a no-brainer, I think, for, for Jerry Matt. Now, yeah, and... And and you get to go coach Travis Etienne Jr., who who is one of the best running backs in the NFL in one of the more young and promising offenses in the NFL. Uh, the, I, I do feel like the Jags took a step back offensively this year. I, I don't know that they had as much success as people anticipated, uh, but boy, do they have a ton of talent. And Trevor Lawrence is is the poster child, but Travis Etienne Jr. is is a heck of a running back and had as good of a season as any running back in the league this season. So it, it's a great spot, great landing spot for Jerry Mack. And, and make no mistake about it, I, I think it's a huge loss for Tennessee. And, and not to say that he can't be replaced, but it is absolutely a, a huge, huge loss uh, for Tennessee for so many reasons. Swain already touched on it for the most part, but uh, he, he did a great job of developing running backs. I mean, the the production the last couple of years speaks for itself. Those guys continued to get better. There's no drop-off, really, it felt like, from one to the next. Jalen Wright 
was the best of them, but you still felt confident when Jabari Small and, and Dylan Sampson was was in there as well. Uh, and then from a recruiting standpoint, he, he was one of Tennessee's better recruiters on, on a staff that as a whole, you already question if they can recruit at a championship level. And now you're you're losing uh, a key piece. Uh, to that recruiting staff, one of one of the better recruiters on, on on staff, not only just his personality and he, he can recruit wherever, but the ties to Memphis as well. That 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 will be something uh, that is lost. The receiver from Collierville uh, that committed over the weekend, um, Kelsey Pope did a good job of of recruiting him, but he talked about how Jerry Mack was kind of the one that sparked his interest in Tennessee because of Joe those. Kim, Joe Kim Dotson. Yes, Joakim Dotson. Uh, he, Dotson talks about how Jerry Mack is is kind of what sparked the interest in in Tennessee uh, because he grew up a Florida fan and and Dad grew up a Florida fan and uh, <laughs> Swain's rolling his eyes. I, I get it. I feel you. Um, hey, Camden Sewell turned out pretty good after growing up rooting for for Florida as well. Once he became a Vol, uh, maybe that can maybe Joakim Dotson can have the football equivalent of a career as Camden Sewell did on the baseball diamond. But uh, Jerry Mack played a large role with those Memphis connections. Not, Joakim Dotson is just the latest, um, but Jerry Mack has been tremendous in the Memphis area and, and West Tennessee while at Tennessee. So it, it's a big loss for Tennessee for several reasons. And uh, in terms of, of who is up next, I, I do think it's it's very cool. And I, I really do think it's cool that Josh Heupel is loyal and gives his people an opportunity uh, in terms of promoting from within. But if, if if you want to win a championship, I don't believe that you can continue to promote from within. And, and it's nothing against the people who are being promoted from within. At an established football program like Tennessee, you don't have to promote from within. This is not Vanderbilt. This is not UCF. This is not USF. You can go attract some of the best coaches at their respective positions in the country. And if if you want to take your recruiting to the next level, if you want to go win a championship, I don't know that promoting from within consistently is going to get you to that point. So uh, Max Thurman seems to be the, the guy that would be promoted from within if Josh Heupel decided to go that route. And again, it's nothing against Max Thurman. I just don't know that you can reach that championship level by continuing to promote from within and having coaches learn on the job because you've already kind of seen that bite them in the butt in, in different situations. Yeah, that's that's something that um yeah I don't I don't I don't see uh, playing out. Um Max Thurman has been great on the recruiting trail, but he's never coached offense. He's never done the offense side of the football. And so um that that will be probably a tough tough sell when you have a group of running backs who are very very inexperienced. I think it's important to have someone that has experience coaching the position that can help these guys develop. You have an offensive line that you have spent a lot of money on to retain um, and to bring in, you know, a guy like Lance Hurd. You have invested a lot of money in. You know, Nico, you have invested some money in bringing back guys at wide receiver and bringing guys in at wide receiver. You can't risk 
having a coach who's never coached running backs before coach running backs. Like, you just can't take that risk. Even if you think he's going to be great, I don't think you can take that risk. You got to have someone experience. And some of the names that's out there, uh, guys that it makes sense. You know, you start kind of with Matt Merritt, who was here in 2000. Um, in 21, he joined Gullish at South Florida in 2022. He was just hired by Miami. And so, like, we've seen so many coaches, man. It feels like this, this cycle more than any other cycle that get hired in one place and then leave before they even coach there. Like, Craig Fitzgerald, strength coach, and I don't know why anybody's surprised by Craig Fitzgerald, man. He, yeah, that 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 that. I'm with you on the point that you're making, but Craig Fitzgerald is also Craig Fitzgerald. Yeah, but dude, he'll 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 leave you high and dry. Uh, he'll he'll hit you up wanting a job and still leave you high and dry. That's what he'll do. Um, but yeah, he goes to Florida, had a couple workouts in there. Boosh, he's gone to Boston College. Um. Like we just seen, it feels like so much this year with coaches taking a job and then leaving before they even coach. But Matt Merritt, that would be the case if, if Tennessee were to uh, to bring him in. Like yesterday on Josh Swain, I mentioned you know Larry Porter, who's a former head coach at Memphis, ton of Memphis ties, uh, North Carolina. He's been there in multiple stops. He's also been at LSU. I just think it's important if you like. You think it's going to be easier or harder to recruit kids out of state now with NIL? Easier or harder, Ben? Easier. I think so. I look at Missouri's law that they, in, you know, in, enacted. I think it's. I think it's harder. I think it's going to be. Probably harder. depends on the state. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go down to Alabama. I think it's harder because Auburn ain't Auburn ain't Auburn got NIL money, man. I'm, I'm with you on Auburn. Yeah. But- then maybe you can take a little bit of advantage of Alabama right now, though, because Alabama's NIL isn't exactly where it needs to be. But, but they but they'll need to overpay, right? Because they don't have Nick Saban. So I just think it's going to be harder to bring kids out of Alabama. I think it's going to be harder to get kids from different states because of NIL. But North Carolina, that's a state that is extremely important to Tennessee, and there's not a school in North Carolina that have the same type of influence and impact on in-state recruits like Auburn has with their players or Alabama or Mississippi or Mississippi State. Like, it's hard to get out of Mississippi. It's hard to get out of Alabama. It's hard to get out of Louisiana. But North Carolina is a state that's been so good to Tennessee and needs to continue to be good for Tennessee. Well, that's why I like Larry Porter. Because... He has those ties in North Carolina, and he has experience coaching the position. Um, he's not the only guy I like, but he's a guy I really, 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 really like based on his experience. And what's going to happen is we'll probably hire somebody, not Larry Porter. <laughs> that's that's usually <laughs> you, how it goes down, right? Do, do, do you want to go ahead? Uh, well, we haven't got the question on the text box yet, but do, do you want to go ahead and address the trifecta of Montario Hardesty, Jay Dram, and Trooper Taylor? 
None of those will happen. In my opinion. None of those will happen. And then and look, I mean it's it's fine. I I think that fans immediately go uh to those names because quite frankly, we don't know the pool of coaches the way that Josh Heupel does and and people who are making the hires, head coaches. We just we're not in the business, so we don't know the the pool of coaches to pick from. We know who we know, and uh, Tennessee fans obviously know Montario Hardesty. He's been a running backs coach in the league, in the SEC, in your own division, and uh, has a dynamic personality. I feel like Jay Graham, his resume kind of speaks for itself, and and obviously played here uh, as well. Trooper Taylor, Tennessee fans, I, I feel uh, adore Trooper from his time at, at Tennessee, and um, Trooper has a dynamic personality as as well, and uh, he, he just went this, this over to A and M with Elko, right? Trooper's personality. Say that again. So I think this staff needs Trooper's personality. This staff needs Trooper's recruiting ties. But oh, I completely agree. I think it'd be a great hire for for Tennessee to. Not saying that it, he would be the only hire that they can make that would be a great hire. But I I I think Tennessee would be doing really really well if they were able to get Trooper Taylor. But Trooper just went with Elko to A and M, correct? He's he's a, he's the associate head coach. Troopers from Texas, so I, I don't I don't see that happening. No, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think adding Trooper would be um, a terrific addition, uh, but it, it doesn't have to be Trooper. He, he's not the end all be all, but you need to get somebody very similar to Trooper in the sense of somebody who has great ties around the Southeast to the Carolinas, potentially like. Like you said, and somebody that has a dynamic personality, you you do need some trooper characteristics added. I I feel like. I mean, you I mean you were right about Jerry Mack being a big loss. Um, but here's here's where Josh Heupel will be judged as a head coach because it's, it's more than just drawing up plays and calling plays. Like you have position coaches that they just coach football. Like, a lot of coaches want to get to the NFL because they just want to coach football. They don't want to deal with recruiting. But let's say you are a college coach and you're a position coach. Well, you have to do a whole lot less than a head coach. You get a chance to work more on coaching football than doing vol calls or doing radio appearances and TV appearances and radio commercials and TV commercials and speaking here and speaking there. Um you got to be responsible for your staff and who you hire, who you fire, who you pay this amount, who you pay that amount to. What happens if someone don't recruit well enough? What happens if someone, you know, doing something they ain't supposed to do? Like you, you have to be an overseer. You can't just, you can't just coach. You can't just call plays offensively and defensively. You have to be the caretaker. You have to be the overseer. You have to be the CEO of the enterprise. And Josh Heupel's, will be judged on more than just, oh, man, he dropped that awesome play. He was wide open. Man, Tennessee averaged 49 points per game. Here's where Josh Heupel is going to be judged, too. When you have a coach that leaves to go to the NFL, can you make the next hire? Can you make the next best hire? ADs are judged on who they hire as head coaches. If we go back in hindsight and go, man, should Coach Fulmer have been fired or not? Everyone's going to say no because who we hired was the wrong person. 
But if Tennessee would have hired the right person, then people would have said, yeah, man, hey. I mean, Tennessee won after Coach Fulmer. I guess it was the right, right decision. So it's about who you hire next. You have to nail this hire if you are Josh Heupel. You, you can't – I'm not saying he's doing this. But we have seen multiple. We've seen three hires from within. And it's hard not to look at those moves and go, well, hey, maybe you don't want to bring someone in from the outside. This is going to have an inside look of you know the offense and the offensive system and the tendencies and you, know, you don't want to let the cat out the bag. I mean, hey, hypo protective over you know his his offense and and how it's ran and hey, I get that, respect that, understand that, but you can't let that get in the way of you bringing in a really 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 good coach from the outside when you need a really really good coach from the outside that brings a lot more to the table than someone that's been in the building uh, that doesn't possess the type of experience that's needed to help your players, mainly at running back, be the best that they can be. So that's why I just think you have to go outside here with this hire. Um, and you can't just go outside with the hire and just hire somebody that's good coach running backs. You got to hire somebody that's good at coach running backs and that's really good at recruiting, you, you just you just have to, you just have to, and if you don't, it's going to show up. It's going yep. to show up. I, I I completely agree. Completely agree. Promoting from within is not going to help you. Would you say that Tennessee is still trying to catch up to Alabama, or do you think what? they're they're even now? Even with who? In Alabama. In I said what I said. Alabama's not the same football team it was two months ago. The coaching staff is completely different. The roster is mostly different. We got even with Alabama. So you would you would say well, I was gonna say that Tennessee is still chasing Alabama. Oh, absolutely. But I do think it's interesting now after you've seen several players leave and they haven't really added anybody just yet, and they, they're having some issues with their coaching staff in and out of the door. Like, I don't, I don't think the gap between Tennessee and Alabama was what it was two months ago. I don't. No, I can say that. I mean, I think the gap is 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 uh, a little bit smaller, but I mean, we, yes, I, 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 they, I would think that you're closer to Alabama than you maybe realize because we're so we're, we're programmed to think that there's this big gap between got, Alabama and others, but the, I don't think that big gap exists anymore. They still got a lot of talent, at least until Kalen DeBoer proves it on the field. They still got a lot of talent. Yes, absolutely. But and Tennessee still, has talent, and too. he's a and he's still a more proven coach than Josh Heupel right now, too. So like he, he he hasn't coached at Alabama yet, but you can't deny the fact that. He has won at a very high level in a quick amount of time, and the dude just coached the national championship game. So, like, absolutely, yeah, he hasn't been able to really establish you know, his systems, his culture at Alabama, and he just had a offense coordinator leave, and it was a little bit of a sneaky looking move. It didn't bode well for Kalen DeBoer. Did not look good on Kalen DeBoer uh, and uh, Grub for not leaving or not putting it out there that he was leaving until the 30 day transfer window closed for, for those players. So it, 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 it was a little, it was a little rough looking. Um, but if you're Tennessee, you still behind and yeah. the only way to catch up 
is you have to go faster than the person is in front of you. You can't go the same speed limit and expect to get even or to go past. And so you can't go out here and and bring in coaches that don't recruit. No, absolutely. And I do think there is a gap between Alabama and Tennessee still, but I do think that that's a fascinating question and and conversation, which is why I asked you that. But the point that I was getting to is in order to close the gap between yourself and Alabama, in order to try and close that gap between Georgia and, uh, you know, those are the two main gaps that that stick out. But other schools like LSU and A&M and and Texas, uh, you you are ahead of Florida right now, but we, we know that that Florida is capable of at, at any minute of, of really popping off because of their resources, quite frankly, particularly on the recruiting trail in order to keep pace with those teams and close the gap with the teams that you need to close the gap with and win championships promoting from within is just simply not going to get there, uh, get you there. And and that that's nothing against Max Thurman whatsoever. It's just Tennessee is not a school where you should have somebody learning on the job for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's just really that, that simple no, to, to me. I agree. Uh, a Carter 2212 Cadillac Williams. My answer will be no. The reason why, why would your answer be no? Are you, are you genuinely asking? Or are you like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking it does. And I will say that it does seem like there is maybe some, some stuff behind the scenes that, that maybe took place there. That's why. Okay. Well, that's fair. I, I figured that's where you were going. But on the surface, on the surface, he looks like the type of dynamic personality and somebody who could recruit like a, a Trooper Taylor. And, and he, he reminds me of a Trooper Taylor, quite frankly. So that, that was why I was curious as, as to why your answer was no, but also recognizing that, the way that ended between him and Hugh Freeze, it looked kind of weird and led me to believe that there was some stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a no for me. Not anything to do with his ability to, to, to coach. I'm sure he can recruit, although I don't 100% know how great of a recruiter he is. I know he brings instant credibility uh, from his time as a player, but here's one that is Auburn through and through. That was interim head coach when Brian Harson was fired. I remember his conversation with Cole Kubik after a game that they won. And his speech, man, was was one of the best. It was one of the best moments in college sports that season. Um it was it was an awesome scene. Like Cadillac is Auburn. Auburn is Cadillac. Him walking away him walking away raised too many red flags for me. And understanding some of the details, that's that's not something needs to be here at Tennessee. So, no, nah. fair enough. No, nah, nah. I'll take you take your word from it. Like I said, just on on the surface, he does have a dynamic personality. Heck yeah, man, and and an, and an ability to recruit. That quite frankly, it does remind me of Trooper. Um, he might he might be. Better coaches in the position than Trooper, but I don't know if he would be better as a as a as a motivator, as a as an energy guy. I don't I don't know, man. I don't. Um, you would certainly know. It's like uh, you you played for Trooper or something. Yeah, but I I don't know Cadillac's coaching style. I haven't seen him coach, so 
know, it, it's hard. It's hard to see. It's hard to be able to tell you how they are different, how they are alike. But I just don't. I just know there's not a lot of dudes like trooping that. Um, but hey, coaches have that right to hire who they want to hire. They just gotta make the right hire. That's that's what it's about. And it's not like there's only a few good running back coaches out here that can recruit. There's a lot. There's a lot of good running back coaches. You have to get the right one though for for your program. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain. Be right back. You're listening to the Swain event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. Fellas, it's a new year. Low T Center can make it a great one. If you've been feeling tired and grumpy, have noticed a lack of motivation and drive, you may have low T. Low testosterone levels can cause weight gain, loss of muscle mass, and so much more. I recommend Low T Center. It's where I get my levels tested. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. And with their on-site lab, you'll get your results back in about 25 minutes. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. Fellas, it's a new year. Low T Center can make it a great one. If you've been feeling tired and grumpy, have noticed a lack of motivation and drive, you may have low T. Low testosterone levels can cause weight gain, loss of muscle mass, and so much more. I recommend Low T Center. It's where I get my levels tested. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. And with their on-site lab, you'll get your results back in about 25 minutes. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. It is the Swain event. We are fueled by Dead End Barbecue. We are glad that you are with us this morning. 
We are going to the phone. 865-255-03. Good morning. Who do we have with us? Coming to you from the West Coast. Hey, Rusty. <laughs> Good morning, Good Rusty. Yes. Good morning, Jace. How you doing, man? Man, I'm fantastic, man. Big day for you today? Uh, anything going on today? There's a lot I- going on. There's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. I think the surf's up, so, you know, I got that to look forward to, maybe. A lot going on, sir. That's probably why you're yeah. up for early, man. You're ready to go. I am. I'm locked in. I got my eye on the courthouse, looking at the flag, waving out front, you know. Beautiful day. Um, I wanted to ask, I've been hearing this, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it pertains to the running back coach situation. Some people say that the teams have, some teams around the country have went to just using a grad assistant to coach running backs and using that position coach to up, to actually take a paid assistant away from that and have another paid assistant at a position that maybe needs more integral coaching. Maybe a coach that focuses on just the tackles or a rush in take, just letting a grad assistant coach the running backs and, and using a paid position somewhere else. And you guys, what do you, and your thoughts on that guys? Yeah. I mean, I, that happens. I think every staff is different. The dynamics of, of your staff uh, right. will determine whether or not you can do that. But I just think this staff needs another recruiter. And so uh, we have some really good recruiters who are off the field. I, I think, we might have better recruiters off the field than we do on the field. Um, I mean, as crazy as that might sound, but that's right. just, that's just goes to show how how really good those guys have been. The Max Thurmans, uh, the the you know, Chop Harbins, I mean, those guys have been really great at recruiting. And so uh, it just depends on the dynamic of your staff. I just think offensively, there's not a lot of dynamic recruiters on offense, in my opinion. Um, and I think you got to add one at the running back position. Gotcha. And and if you want to win championships, you have to be dynamic on the recruiting trail as a program. It's that simple. Hundred percent. I mean, just look at not to cut you off, Rusty. And, and no, I try to avoid comparing football to the baseball team to the basketball team um, because football's the breadwinner. But look at the basketball team. They have recruited at a dynamic level over the years under Rick Barnes, both through the high school ranks, through the portal. They are in contention to win a national championship. Now, I would be surprised if Purdue or UConn doesn't win, and I think they're at a tier by themselves right now. But it, it wouldn't be the most surprising thing ever if this iteration of Tennessee won a national championship this year or made a Final Four. Tennessee baseball? It would not at all be surprising if they win a national championship in the next five to seven years because they are recruiting as well as anybody in the country. They are dynamic on the recruiting trail. Look at Tennessee softball, ranked number two in the preseason because they just have so much talent. They have a true freshman starting at shortstop for Tennessee softball because she was the number five overall player in the country. And again, Tennessee football has been recruiting fine. It, it hasn't been bad. I would say it's actually been good, but good 
does not meet expectations at the University of Tennessee, good does not win you a national championship or even an SEC championship. Yeah. I, I wasn't suggesting not to have a paid coach that's a really good recruiter. I just meant, what, I mean, maybe he coaches the – Maybe he's a specialist who coaches interior offensive linemen, but he's a fantastic recruiter. Or maybe another guy to help out with um, the tight ends or something that's a fantastic recruiter and you had a run. I just meant just strictly as far as the position. To, I, I wasn't taking away from recruiting. I, that wasn't my suggestion at all. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I, I, I was adding to yeah. your point, not necessarily correcting gotcha. you. Sorry if it gotcha. came off that way. No, 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 not at all. Um, the other question I have is – is what you need in a recruiter changed because of NIL? Because do you need closers now, or do you just need guys that get kids or can get a foot in the door and get kids to like at least listen? Because once they're listening, then it becomes they, you know, I know we're not supposed to say this because you know the NCAA, you know, you know, storming the castle, but once the foot's in the door and the kid's at least listening and, and whatever, they're probably going to be sitting across from somebody at uh, a negotiation table. Um, and it's not going to be the recruiter at that point. So do you still need, do you need guys that close or do you need guys that just can get you at least interested? You, you need guys that know how to build a relationship. I don't think that really changes. Yeah. You know, NIL or no NIL. Like, you need a guy that has experience, credibility, someone that a recruit can say, he's going to help me get to the league because he's already done it. Like, I'm sorry, but if I need an operation done, I don't want a first-time doctor working on me. True. (laughs) Like, I don't want a first-time. I need need some experience. And so I have this career. I got four years to maximize my opportunity. I'm. I don't know if I really want a first-time GA coaching me at running back. I, I, I'm sorry. I kind of want a guy that I know that's done it before. If I if I am a, a a highly recruited player, if I'm a three-star, I'm just glad to. I'm just glad to be at Tennessee. But like if I, if I am coming out and I'm the number fourth running back in the country, I got my eyes on the league. I can't be messing around with some. With some with some coaches making his debut at coaching running back, Mm-mm. and so no. I just think that with NIL, without NIL, since the start of time, recruiting is all about building relationships, and you have to spend time doing that. You got to get on the phones, you got to bang the phones. You, um, you can't rely on NIL. Your ability to connect with people—that's one thing. Like, like Brian Denemar was great at. I understand Tennessee got in trouble for for the money and all that stuff. But Brian Niedermeyer could connect with those young people, man. He could. Now, he didn't have kids and um, didn't have a wife, had a little girlfriend, but he'd be on the phones all the time with them. He'd be playing video games with them. Like, how do you connect with people? At the end of the day, that's what it's about. No, for sure. Is is running back talent, where where does it rank on, on where you need elite talent on this offense? Is, is it – do you need – I feel like maybe tackles, uh, quarterback, and receiver, and tight end, having elite talent there would be more important than having an elite running back on this. Well, well Rusty, I don't, I don't really care about looking at 
what kind of running back talent we need on, in this offense. I like looking at the running backs Overall. that have been part of national championship teams the last five years. Right. <laughs> like, go look at Michigan. Go look at Georgia the last two years before that. You know, go look at Alabama. Go look at Clemson. Go look at LSU. All those teams had good running backs, guys who yeah. are more than capable of playing at the next level. And that's that's what it's going to take. Like, the offense system is good. It's brought points. It's, it's dynamic. It's quarterback friendly. It has brought guys like Nico and George McIntyre. I get that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't. It doesn't take the place of still recruiting talent. Period. Point blank. You got. You, you got to have it. You got to oh, yeah. have it. it. It's more important than the coaching. You're, it's I, always I agree. more important than the coaches. Yep. Totally agree. Always. Basketball, real quick. Basketball, real quick. Yeah. Um. I think we got to maybe come out to start ball games. And, and tell Dalton Connect that we're down 14 and there's five minutes to go in the game. <laughs> um, the way we did late in the, I mean, the, the, what you saw him do late in that A&M game, he can do it at any time in a ball game. We just don't do it. We don't tell him, hey, we're chasing points. Um, we're, we're down and we got to hurry. And we just, you, you can raise up from 30 with a guy in your grill off the bounce and pull it. And if you draw two defenders, then get to, get it to the open guy. But regardless, you have the greenest of green lights right now. Go be you. Don't think you've got to only shoot in the flow of the offense or only drive when you have an angle. Go just play, play like Wade Taylor does all the time, basically. First, he just he, he has been been shooting the ball uh, off transition. He has been shooting the ball before ball reversals. I mean, there has been isolation. Where any yeah, other no, time, Rick Barnes is like, hell no, what are y'all doing? Like, Dalton does have that freedom. Even now. No, he does. I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying he does. My, my fear with does. Dalton is that he's tired. Could be. But, but he uh, had, didn't, well, he, didn't he, Jimmy had, Dykes had been make a comment about that? And, and he had been resting for like five minutes because of the four fouls when he came in. But he took, he took three threes in the last four minutes of that ball game that were completely contested from deep and he was not looking to pass. He all he was he knew when he had the ball and he was crossing half court, I'm raising up. And if the guy's belly button to belly button, and Arkansas guys are gonna be like that on Wednesday, let's just admit it. Um they're gonna be they're gonna be guarding that close. Um oh gosh. That, but that's just not, it, it, it's not a good shot during the game. When you are desperate and you're down, that's different. I know. That's different, man. I feel like he, he also has like, been taking shots early in games of, of late. He just hasn't been making them. I mean, he, oh, no, I can no. think he, of a corner three at a a that he one. missed within the first minute or two. That, that, that's my point, Ben. He took that wide open one in the flow of the offense at A&M the other day and, and, and came up short on it. And then late he hit those ones that were guarded. I actually think he's a little bit better shooter whenever – He's just creating for himself and just deciding to go off. He gets that confidence feeling about, I have nothing to worry about. I'm just going to pull it from wherever. And I think he's a better shooter then. I think he's, the, the, I think he's one of those rare guys that 
when he gets the complete confidence that he can just do whatever he wants to and not have to be part of the offense, he actually shoots it better. Shoots it with more confidence. You Some might, guys are that way. You might be right, Russ. Hey, man, thank thank you, Russ, for the phone Thanks, call. Know early with Thanks, us. Guys. Um, yeah, we can't we can't expect Dalton Connect to play the first thirty five minutes like he would play the last five if Tennessee was down, you know, fifteen twenty points. That's just not realistic. He'll be able to do that at the next level at some point in his career, but like you got to play within the flow of the offense, and there's no reason to not believe Dalton shouldn't have opportunities to go isolation and and. Uh, he gets the ball to, at the at the top of the key with the ball screen, with the green light to, to go to go get busy a lot. I I the the offense is producing shots for him, and he's got to make them. I mean, it's as, as simple as that. Rusty may be right in the sense of he's he's better and more comfortable when when it feels more like backyard basketball and just playing on the blacktop with, with your friends or playing AAU ball when it's a, a, a little more, it's a loosey-goosey time out there, and you just kind of, <laughs> you're, you're just trying to get shots up. But, I mean, the offense is getting him shots, and, and of late he has missed them early in games, and it's it's taken him time to, to settle in. I, I did want to get your thoughts on didn't Jimmy Dykes somebody made this comment to me I have not heard the broadcast I, I have not gone back and watched but didn't he make a comment along the lines of he thinks that Dalton is tired a lot of shots hit the front of the rim man that is the telltale sign that you're not using your legs enough and you're tired what what and what are your thoughts on that and do you think that that is something that needs to be corrected because there are some stats out there that indicate that Rick's teams, Mm -hmm. and we've had these conversations before on the show. This is not a new conversation. Mm -hmm. There's evidence, statistical evidence. Maybe it's coincidence. I I don't personally believe that it's completely a coincidence, but there's statistical evidence that January, February, March, the record gets worse. Not not that it's a bad record, but like the December, January record, you're well above 500. And then as the end of the season approaches, it's you still have a winning record, but it's closer to 500. How how concerned? And we kind of touched on this with Zakai the other day uh, about him maybe playing too many minutes. How, how concerned are you with? Dalton maybe being tired and and this basketball team as a whole being tired entering the most important time of the year. Um, I didn't see anybody else that looked tired. I mean, I do understand like like when you travel, when you I and mean, listen, man, you've been traveling. Like it it impacts your body, like it does, and so I don't know if that has something to do with it, but the team didn't look tired to me against Texas A and M. Dalton looked tired, so. I mean, Zakai didn't look tired. Santi didn't look tired. Now, a dude, he looks shook. He looks, yeah, he just looks. He looks tired. like he doesn't have confidence. Um, but like the team didn't look tired, which is why I think tomorrow is going to be important to to pay attention and see. All right, our shots short. Do it look like we have legs? 
uh, pay attention to that. But I don't think the team is tired, so I'm not concerned with that just just yet. I just look at it as man Dalton for some reason just didn't get lift on his jump shots like we are accustomed to seeing him do. That's how I look at it. I gotta go to the phones. Good morning. How, how does that get corrected though? Sorry. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning. I was waiting on Ben there. I was gonna hear what he said. Uh yeah, Ben <laughs> wants to know how that gets corrected. Well, Dalton's gonna look at the film. He's gonna see how those shots were short. He's on analyze it and he'll probably do a better job. I'm sure he worked on it already of getting lift on, on those shots and his free throws, man, hit I feel like three of them hit the front of the rim. So he just, he just has to get more bend, man. He has to use his legs a whole lot more shooters make that adjustment uh, fairly easy. I'm just surprised he didn't make that adjustment earlier during the game. Like if you miss one shot short, usually the next shot you take, you get the ball up more. And you make the adjustment quicker. Dalton had several shots that were short, and it seemed like he never really made that adjustment during the course of that game. But I expect him to to fix that. So, all right, Turkey man, good morning. Hey, well, hey guys, I, I was just going to light in on a little bit of what you've been talking about there. But uh, you know, we're getting the time of year in basketball, especially that uh, uh, that's where chemistry and and you got to be physically and and uh, conditioned. Right, because you're going to be in tournament play, SEC play, and then move right into the, the NCAA uh, tournament. So uh, you've got to be prepared mentally, physically, and uh, and condition wise. So uh, that I think is one thing that uh, needs to be looked at. Maybe maybe in uh, uh, maybe different players getting more minutes here and there. But whatever needs that, that chemistry needs to kick in. But switch direction a little bit i know you probably already talked about this but i haven't got to talk to you about it but uh the uh super bowl i you've seen two quarterbacks one did really really well but the other one uh is really uh outstanding and and that's the difference between having a really okay quarterback and a really outstanding quarterback and i think we've seen that and i've seen uh, Jennings, I, 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 my heart just bled for him, and uh, he played his heart out. But you know, one player can play his heart out, but you got to have a team uh, doing the same thing. So that's a couple of things that went through my mind. And uh, Ben, before I leave out, who's who's going to be uh, playing the shortstop, uh, and who's going to be the infield on the baseball team this year? Uh, what what we looking at uh, as the line up there? But I'll get out, guys. And, and talk to you later, and thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Turkey Man. Good to hear from you, buddy. Yeah, good to hear from you, Turkey Man. I hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, I think Christian Moore will start at shortstop on Friday because they've been dealing with some injuries. Uh, Ariel Antigua, the freshman, I thought he had a great chance of winning the job, but he's still dealing with a left-hand injury. Uh, then I thought it was going to be Dean Curley, another freshman Dean who had a great Curley. chance at oh, at being next in line, but he's dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, they've got another middle infielder, Alex Perry, who's coming off of a hamstring injury. He got back into scrimmages this past weekend. Uh, so that leaves Christian Moore and Bradkey Lowry, who is a Juco signee. And uh, Bradkey's a, a 
a shorter fella. So I, I think he's more of a second baseman. So uh, I think you'll see Christian Moore get the start at shortstop on opening day and Brad Key Lowry most likely at second base. But those two guys could be swapped. And since you're playing three games at opening weekend, maybe they, they do switch it up for at least one game. But I think that's going to be your middle infield. Uh, and then Billy Amick, the Clemson transfer, who is a preseason All-American, he's going to be your you're starting third baseman and hitting in the three hole. And then good old Blake Burke, he's back and will be at first base and, and he slimmed down. Mama's he, he's baby. looking real good. Mama's baby. The 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 Burke bombs are, are back. And uh, I, I think he's going to be hitting in the two hole in, in the scrimmages. He's been hitting second. So I, I think you'll see, obviously, Blake Burke over there at first. Why? Uh, Tony likes to go left, right, or alternate righty lefty uh, for, for matchup purposes, because if you, and this was one of their, uh, it was an issue at times. Um, but if, if you're too left-handed heavy, then in the lineup, then the opposing team can bring in a lefty pitcher. And typically lefties at the plate struggle with lefty pitchers. And if you're, you've got four lefties hitting in a row, then that that's not a good matchup for you. Whereas if you're right, left, right, left, then the opposing coach has to be a little more strategic of when he deploys his lefty or or even a, a righty out of the bullpen. Uh, it, it just when when you're so left-handed heavy, mm-hmm. there's you're not making life difficult on the other manager in terms of how he deploys his bullpen options. So um, I think you're going to see. Blake Burke, a lefty, Christian Moore, a righty, and and then I'll, I'll be curious to see what it looks like from uh, from top to bottom. But they're, they're, they've got some more right-handed bats in the lineup this year that, that's going to allow Tony to, to to have a more diverse lineup. All right. I, just want to- I was, man, I, I, I'm glad Turkey Man brought up Jawan Jennings. I'm sure you and, and Josh got to, to talk about it yesterday on the show. But, man, my, my heart broke for Jawan as, as well. Uh, I, I was – Honestly, I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan and Travis Kelsey fan, which which feels weird because the Chiefs are a dynasty and uh, in sports you're, you're supposed to hate the team that that's a dynasty. But I find those two very very likable. Uh, and then Trey Smith, I, I was happy to see him get a a second Super Bowl ring in back to back years, uh, and and that's an awesome story. Just with him, obviously, Tennessee fans know his story. Him losing his mom at a young age, dealing with blood clots at Tennessee, uh, being drafted in in the sixth round, and now he's protecting Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey has said before that he he's kind of well, how how did Travis word it? He, he was kind of he's the he's not the heart and soul, but the 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 bully or, or so to speak. He kind of gets at the enforcer. I think that's what Travis said. He, about about Trey Smith. Smith? Yes, he said something along the lines of, of him being the enforcer on the team and, and just really cool for Trey Smith. So I was pulling for the Chiefs and, and then selfishly as a Steelers fan, I, I didn't want the 49ers to tie us for uh, with the Patriots. What's that? He's the enforcer. Yeah, the enforcer, which is a, a pretty cool label to have He's as an offensive lineman. beast. Yes. Uh, so I, I was happy to see Trey Smith get a second ring, and I didn't want the 49ers to win because I didn't want them to tie us and the Patriots, us being the Steelers for, for most Super Bowl wins of all time. But I did find myself somewhat rooting for the 49ers as the game went on and, and as Jawan's game progressed and, and just continued to get even better and better. And I felt really bad for him, not only because he, he had a Super Bowl taken away from him, and that's what he 
cares about most because Jawan is the ultimate team player. Uh, but even on an individual level, yeah, I, I felt like he was about to win Super Bowl MVP, especially if Brock Purdy makes that throw on uh, third down in the red zone late in the game. He did have some pressure in his face, but if, if Brock's able to make that throw, that's a touchdown for Jawan. And uh, I, I think he locks up, assuming the 49ers win, he, he locks up Super Bowl MVP uh, at that point. So I, I'm with Turkey, man. Uh, that, w- that was one of my biggest takeaways immediately when the game ended is, man, I, I feel for Jawan because he, he played the game of his life on the biggest stage of his life and was about to win Super Bowl MVP. Who would have thought Jawan Jennings was going to win Super Bowl MVP one day? Uh, so kudos to him for, for a great game. Very happy to him. He earned a lot of money. Th- those Chiefs corners are some of the best corners in in the league. And uh, he, he, he made some big-time plays against them when – when teams like I see Steelers writers talking about how great Jawan Jennings would be for the Steelers because he's like Heinz Ward and loves to block on the perimeter. And that's what Jalen Warren and Najee Harris needs. So like Jawan was already going to get paid this all season, but showing his versatility to where you can throw him in a trick play. And, uh, and he can also cook just simply being a receiver as well on top of everything else that he does. I'm glad that Jawan was able to earn himself a lot of money on, on Sunday night. Yeah, he'll be able to do that. I mean, about 30 minutes before the game, I didn't care who won. I just thought the Chiefs would win, and then I decided to to uh, wager a little bit on the game. And so I was rooting for the Chiefs during the game because, duh. Um, but it was good to see Jawan do his thing on the biggest stage. And he's going to make some bread. The question is, is he comfortable leaving the 49ers? Because, I mean, Jawan's a loyal dude, man. He's shown in the past that, like, if he trusts you and like, he'll run through a brick wall for you. But he also shown in the past that if he don't trust you, he'll let you know and the world know. And I don't know how he would feel about leaving the 49ers because that's a perfect fit for him. But at the same time, man, them taxes in California are a different animal, and he probably, he probably will get a better offer outside of San Francisco. But – um, I, so many people got so many strong opinions about what happened on the sideline with Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. I I'm trying I, to analyze I, Travis I Kelsey. Know. Now you become doctors and and <laughs> you you understand what it's like to be on the sideline of a football game. Like Andy Reid had no problem, but everybody else got a problem about it. Like, yeah, it wasn't a good look, but Travis Kelsey was mad that he wasn't in when his running back fumbled the ball because the guy that was in there for him missed the block. It wasn't about him catching balls or anything like that. Dude was trying to win, and he was not in when he could have helped. Okay, he bumped him. Accident. Cool. I, I have the same opinion as as you. Obviously, it's not a good look. No. It, it it should not happen. Uh, that 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 was a good learning moment. I, I feel like in in a teachable moment. If if I was a coach or if if my son did that, like I, I would not be happy with them. I would I would correct them for for doing that. But I do I do feel like there needs to be an understanding of context to the situation. Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey have a great relationship, great relationship. a phenomenal relationship. And uh, I, I feel 
I feel like that should be taken into consideration when viewing that situation. And like you said, I mean, Travis just wants to win. It, it, it was a passion for winning, not not a, a passion to go score a touchdown in, in the Super Bowl for for his for his own self for for individual reasons. But he he really wanted to to win, and I I just think at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal if, if you take into context and consideration that Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey they have a great relationship, and that's what that was about. I saw something and. I don't see a lot of people talking about. I don't see people trying to analyze and now become, you know, sports football experts. That's the problem with social media is now everyone has a voice and now everyone is an expert on whatever the subject may be. Uh, when, when Tennessee was bought, was suing the NCAA, now everybody became legal analysts. During the football game, everybody everybody's offensive coordinators. Everyone's defensive coordinators. During the basketball game, everyone is John Wooden. Like, no one said anything about Patrick Mahomes ripping his rookie receiver on the sideline. We've never seen Patrick Mahomes do that. Patrick Mahomes passed up the opportunity to rip Valdez Scanlon early in the season when they lost to the Eagles. And he dropped a touchdown pass. And they lost the game because of that drop. Patrick Mahomes was asked about the drop. Patrick Mahomes said, I could have thrown it better. Patrick Mahomes could not have thrown it better. It hit his hands. It was perfect. But Patrick Mahomes took it upon himself to say it was on me. Why? Because he knows his receivers need that confidence. That later in the season, he's going to need them. He's going to count on them. He's going to call on them to have to make a play. And you can't throw your receivers under the bus in that moment. Super Bowl, everything on the line. We saw Patrick Mahomes do something that he he doesn't do. They show him ripping the crap out of Rice, rookie receiver on the sideline. It's a Super Bowl, man. Like, <laughs> like it's a high stakes. You put so much into this. Emotions are running high. And what happened on the last drive? Mahomes went to Rice. What happened in that game? Mahomes went to Valdez Scanlon, even though Scanlon had like he was catching a damn bowling ball. I thought he was going to drop it. But it kills me that folks that ain't play football be trying to analyze the game like that. Well, I mean, he obviously has emotional issues and he it's football. People who play football have issues. We're running into each other. We not normal. <laughs> we we crazy anyways. It's a barbaric sport. What what do you expect? <laughs> it's 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 in, it's it's in, intense. You gotta be damn to have crazy to play football. Like what do you expect? All right, man. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean in. He almost had a come apart. Mahomes did when uh, MVS Mart was it Martez Valdez Scantling when he, he ran backwards. Where was he going? Even Chris Jones got off the bench. Yeah, I, it looked like Chris Jones about to run on the field and snatch him. No, he can't come back. He he got he got to be replaced. Hey 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 hey! Remember those conversations that we have had since the end of the season about the step in leadership Tennessee needs to take. What happened? Something happened? I'm saying Tennessee needs that. 
Oh, like and I, I realize I'm comparing it to Patrick Mahomes and know, a Super Bowl winning dynasty, like, but like Turkey Man was comparing Brock Purdy to Patrick Mahomes, which is totally unfair. Brock Purdy was damn good. It ain't Brock Purdy was good. He was not the problem. He was real good. Like Chris yeah, Jones, he, was come, good. Uh, he came unblocked. How how do you do that? Like, but you you have to be perfect when you play against Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is that dude. But go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying, like, Tennessee, like, the passion. I'm not advocating for, again, what Travis Kelsey did was wrong. Yeah, was but, wrong. again, I think you have to have context in, in terms of understanding the passion and, and heart that he plays with. And, again, he has a great relationship with, with Andy Reid. So I'm not advocating for Tennessee players to go bump Josh Heupel in the middle of a football game. But they, they need that on the sideline. They they need Chris Jones type of reactions and Travis Kelsey type of reactions, Patrick Mahomes type of reactions. They need that. And and again, we've, we've, we've talked about this. It's not that Tennessee's leadership is in a bad place. At least I don't feel like it's in a bad place. It's it's just, it did take a step back after Hendon and some of those guys left. And it needs to be better. It needs to be better. If, if, if you want to avoid some of the second halves that, that you had this season. Yeah, it's it's fair. It's easy to say. It just needs to be better. Recruiting is good. Needs to be better. Leadership, eh, good. Needs to be better. Coaching was good last year. Guess what? Needs to be better. Everything needs to be better. Everybody needs to be better. I think that's pretty fair. Pretty fair. 865-255-03. We'll hit up the text box uh, when we come back, wrap everything up. I thought you had some news, man. I thought you had some uh, news. I was, I was just illustrating that when, when we have discussed the leadership needing to be better, I feel like that was an example of, of the, the type of, of leadership you need, those Al Wilson type of qualities. We got a running back coach we got to go get. We got court ruling waiting on. Like I, I, I thought you had some breaking news for us. Lineback, linebacker coach flirting with Michigan. Yeah, Brian John Marie is flirting with Michigan is what I hear. So... We got we got we got to cover uh, that when we come back. Sweat event fueled by Dead and Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Stay with us. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go. Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. 
A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Jason Swain here. Coaching seeing these players using their leverage to make more money, get bigger NIL deals. Like, I'm about to do the same thing. We're going to talk about Brian John Marie in Michigan. He was once there. Does Tennessee pay him more money or does Tennessee say, you know what? Um, we we not paying that. We got enough money. We paying out. <laughs> we 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 good. But you gotta pay. You gotta pay coaches, and if they do a good job, you gotta reward them. Which is something Danny White has said he has no problem with doing, paying his coaches and rewarding his coaches for for being successful and, and winning. And you look at the defense right now. Um. They were better than the offense last year. I know the head coach is the offensive guy. I know the, the the two years prior to last year, the offense picked up the defense, but defense is better. And um, you got Rodney Garner that Auburn was trying to pull. Now it seems that Michigan is trying to – get Brian Jean-Marie, and, and I'll say this, Ben, and give the floor to you. Three years without a ton of coaching change, coaching, coaching turnover, lateral moves, it's pretty good for Josh Heupel. Yeah, you had Cody Burns go to the NFL, but that wasn't, that wasn't a huge loss. You had an offense coordinator that went on to be a head coach. That's, that's awesome. You now have a running backs coach that went to the NFL. That's not that's a that's not a lateral move. That's a that's a upward move. So Josh Hypo's done a really good job of keeping the staff intact for three years, but we haven't seen a revolving door. But like this is this is normal. You, you got to pay coaches when they want to be paid more. 
Sometimes you have to replace coaches that decide they want to go elsewhere. And the mark of a successful coach is their ability to be able to make the right hires and sometimes right fires too. But uh, being your, your take on what's going on, excuse me. Ooh, lost, lost your voice there, my, my guy. Uh, it, it, it would be a big loss uh, for Tennessee if Brian Jean-Marie decided to return to Michigan. I, I think it would be as big of a loss as Jerry Mack deciding to join the Jaguars, if not if not a bigger loss. I, I, I think Brian Jean-Marie has been a good recruiter for Tennessee. I, I think he's been a, a good on-the-field coach for Tennessee. And uh, I think one of the things that he's done best is he's been – one of the few coaches on staff that hasn't been afraid to play his younger players. Nope. As you've had to transition. Uh, so I, I think it would be a, I, I think it would be a big loss, quite frankly. And I don't think it'd be good for Tennessee. If, if you lost two of your best assistants, I mean, Brian Jean Marie and, and Jerry Mack, I, I don't know where you would rank them off the top of my head, but they would be towards the top of the list. If not right up there at the top, when, when you take into consideration uh, recruiting production, and on-field production, I mean, it, it might be one and two, honestly, even ahead of Rodney Garner, quite frankly. Um, if if not, it's those three at the top. Uh, so I, I think it would be a big loss. And at the end of the day, it's a good thing that other schools are coming after your coaches. And it's not just other schools. I mean, it, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars, an NFL team, and the defending national champs. That 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 means you have good coaches. Uh, the other teams are not going to be looking for bad coaches. So at, at the end of the day, it's a it's a good thing and and a tip of the hat to your program that that others are interested in your coaches. But I I think if Tennessee, obviously you, you don't break the bank to keep Brian Jean Marie. I mean, you do have a line that that you should establish that that you're not going to cross or, or go that far, but. I, I would do just about everything that I can to keep Brian Jean-Marie because I, I think he's a, a really, really good football coach for Tennessee, both on the recruiting trail and on the field. $665,000 is or was his pay 2023 according to Football Scoop. Five ninety was the pay in 2022. So you got players on the team making that you like <laughs> Tennessee needs to do what it can to to keep him again there, there's I'm not saying just completely give everything that you got to the guy but I, I think you need to make a a strong blanket offer a Will Wade type of offer to Brian Jean-Marie to try and keep him at Tennessee it's especially because on one hand, he's a good coach. That That is good enough reason for me to do what you need to do to keep him. But if you were to lose him and Jerry Mack, and we'll see who they would end up hiring, but before knowing the hires, that staff all of a sudden looks a lot different in, in terms of overall ability from top to bottom. That That's not two guys that I think you want to lose in the same offseason when you have other coaches on staff frankly learning on the fly let me let me say this man uh again this is footballscoop.com's uh article that came out uh 2023 about the 
the pay of Tennessee coaches. And they were referencing the article on Dr. New Sentinel about these salaries. Here's the salaries for your coaching staff. Obviously, Josh Heupel, $9 million. Tim Banks, $1.5. Glenn Ellaby, 900000 Joey Halsley, eight fifty. Um, Rodney Garner, seven eighty five. Brian John Marie, six sixty five. Mike Eckler, five seventy five. William Martinez, five forty. Jerry Mack, five hundred. Kelsey Pope, two fifty, and Alec Ablins, two forty three seven fifty. Um, if I'm Brian John Marie, I'm like, yo, can LB ain't a coordinator? recruiting an offensive line has not been where it needs to be. I've been recruiting it better. I've had to coach young guys. If he's making 900, 665, that, that ain't going to work for me. I mean, if I'm just being honest here, I mean, that's, that would be my, my line of thinking. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I doubt Brian John Marie is going to voice that, but I would certainly be thinking that if I were him and, Quite frankly, Glenn Ellerby does not need to be making that much money based off of the results that that Tennessee has been getting. Again, I, I don't think the offensive line has been bad, but kind of consistent with our theme on, on multiple topics. It's been fine. It's been good at times, but it, it's not been what it needs to be, especially you hit the nail on the head when you look at the lack of young players playing. Yeah. Hey, you want to play Ellerby 900? Cool. I don't care what, what you pay him. Oh well, but it just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense when you got Brian John Marie six sixty five and Ella at nine hundred. When we look at the total um, resume of results over the last three, correct? No, I agree. But that's that's all. I I feel you, but I I mean I'm willing to say that like obviously there's a pool of money that Josh Heupel has to work with, and I'm sure if he asked for more, he could probably get it. But generally speaking, you have a pool of money. Yeah. An allotment of money to work with. Yeah. And is, is 900000 the highest paid assistant coach, not a coordinator? Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're not necessarily getting those results, at least his past season, on the field consistently. And the, the future looks a little bleak because of the inability to develop who they've brought in to this point. Now, I, I think that's going to get somewhat corrected because I am a believer in the incoming freshman adding Lance Hurd should help that. But you, you have not gotten $900,000 worth of results, quite frankly. And when, when you could potentially lose a very good assistant coach, it's hard not to look at that number. And, and, and it's not even like, I mean, Brian, even take setting that aside, Brian Jean-Marie should be making more than the six whatever you said he's making. I mean, he should be up to seven fifty, eight hundred thousand as is, I, I think. So I, I think that John Marie's salary should be corrected and, and he should be given a healthy raise. And if you're Tennessee, hopefully that's enough to keep him at Tennessee. Yeah. We will See, hopefully. Now, before we, Swain, before we get out of here, okay. if, if it's okay for you for me to change the topic, uh, don't ask me. You better ask Nelson. 
<laughs> well, I'm not talking baseball. I want to talk. I want to talk Rick Barnes' comments about Buzz Williams on vol calls last night before we get out of here because you don't typically see Rick Barnes uh, go scorched earth the way that he did. Uh, now, before I share those comments from Rick, I do want to encourage everybody uh, to reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty for all of their real estate needs. Uh, she wanted me to pass on a congratulations to Emily and Jared, who are part of the Swain event family on securing and accepted offer on a home this past weekend. Okay. We are ready to have them back in K-Town, a.k.a. Knox Vegas, a.k.a. Knoxville, a.k.a. Okay. the 865. Okay. Uh, and when other Swain Event family needs help, she's here to help. So congratulations uh, to Emily and Jared. Very, very happy for them. And, of course, as always, if, if you have any real estate needs that you need help with please reach out to jennifer morris of keller williams realty you will not regret it one bit i will be moved into a new home here uh two weeks from tomorrow so uh, she has helped my family multiple times and i know countless other swain event families that she has helped as well so please reach out to her now rick barnes did not hold back last night when talking about buzz williams running out on the court on Saturday night, calling a timeout and almost getting run over by Tobey Awaka. I mean, the, the guy was at half court calling a timeout, and I'd never seen anything like it. And uh, Rick Barnes didn't hold back by Rick Barnes' standards, uh, saying that it absolutely should have been a technical foul. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Tobey avoided him. He was in the jump circle. I'm going to put a new drill in. Anytime you see a coach on the floor, you have to run over him. You have to hit him. Don't avoid him. That was a ridiculous play for them not to call it technical. That's a blatant technical foul, and you've got to call it. They just said they'd take care of it, but they had already been warned about being out of the coach's box and all sorts of things. It's just a missed call. Uh, if a fit. Say that again. Pat Adams is garbage. No, and yeah, he is. And, and it, it this part of Rick's comments, he was talking about Pat Adams uh, because Barnes spent, obviously the timeout was awarded mm -hmm. to Buzz. Mm -hmm. And uh, during the timeout, Barnes spent nearly the entirety of the timeout uh, having an intense conversation with Pat Adams. Uh, and then he called a timeout with 11 seconds left and Tennessee down by 16 points to continue to give Pat Adams a piece of his mind. And this quote made me laugh really hard last night. He said, Rick did, that last timeout, referring to the one with 11 seconds remaining and Tennessee down 16 points, that last timeout could have gone a lot of different ways based on how he, he being Pat Adams, responded to it. We had a gentlemanly talk right there. But if it had gone any other way, I probably wouldn't have been there for the last couple of seconds. Look, look at the gangster coming out in the in the in the Deacon, the 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 Deacon gangster coming out of Deacon Deacon Barnes. What are you talking about? <laughs> if, if it had gone any other way, that conversation with Pat Adams. If if it had gone any other way, I probably wouldn't have been there for the last couple of seconds. I, I thought that was a, a pretty funny comment. Um, and uh, he, he, Rick did go on to insinuate 
uh, that he has already had conversations with the SEC coordinator of men's basketball officials, which is Mike Eads, uh, who is a 24-year veteran of college basketball officiating. He said, Mike Eads is the very best in the business. Believe me, he has handled it. I guarantee it's been done with his staff. There's no doubt he was on it right away. Rick uh, did not hold back. He also talked about how it's really enforced uh, in the NCAA tournament as well. If officials don't do their job in that situation and they let one coach start doing this or that, it's going to wake up the other coach and they're going to have their hands full. From the beginning, if you just make it clear, and I don't think any coach has a problem when you got to walk out of the box to get closer to half court to maybe have your team hear you or something. I don't think that, but you can't be on the court. If you feel like someone is constantly abusing it, because I know this, they won't let that happen in the NCAA tournament. Believe me, when the tournament rolls around, the one thing they say, you've got to stay in the box, you've got to stay in the box, they're adamant about it. So Rick, Rick uh, not happy with, with that moment, and, and rightfully so. And, and look, A&M fans have found my tweet from last night, and, and they're mocking Rick for sounding off after losing by 16. And and I, 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 I get it, but yeah. whether Tennessee won by 16 or lost by 16, Rick is right that that was – and that was a bad missed call in that moment. And, and there were a couple bad missed calls. Like on the dunk, uh, when Tobey got dunked on and they called the N1, Tobey didn't even foul the guy. His arms were straight up and he didn't even touch the elbows. And then the guy's hanging on the rim like he's Dave Chappelle. And that wasn't called a technical foul either. Well, you're allowed to hang on the rim if someone's below you. Ain't nobody below him. Tobey was... Under the stanchion, not under the rim, under the basket. There's nobody below him. So they called Tobe for an and one when it, he was straight up and not even touching. He didn't even touch the guy's elbow for a shooting foul. And they didn't even whistle AM for a whistle. So not at all the reason Tennessee lost the basketball game. But, uh, man, college basketball officiating can be maddening at times. And, and whether Tennessee was down by 15 or not, like that was the wrong call to allow Buzz Williams to do that. And, Rick Barnes had every right to be mad in that moment. Yeah. Oh, man. Please beat Arkansas down. That's all I want. Please beat Arkansas down. Just do that. Please. Oh, man. Being your best behavior tomorrow, Ben. Thursday, 8 a.m. We'll be back. Swain event fueled by Dead and Barbecue for Ben McKee. Go Boss 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here from Low T Central Studio. Peace and much love. We are out.